WXDXFM. Pittsburgh. Break the wall! J.D. Martinez, the Boston Red Sox, went on Instagram and quoted Hitler. Hitler said the way to conquer a nation is to disarm its citizens. Martinez quoted that and responded, that's why I'll always stay strapped. Like he is an NWA or something like that, strapped. I refuse to debate the merits of that argument, but one absolute truism comes out of that situation. Never quote Hitler. Even Hitler said that. Never quote me. Oh my God, I just quoted Hitler. I don't know why any athlete would want to stir the sewage politically. What's the upside? You don't help yourself, and you don't change anything. And now J.D. Martinez will be remembered as the guy who quoted Hitler. Hey, J.D. Martinez, du bist ein dummer Esel. And guess what? You just made the list. The list brought to you by Matt Mertz Plumbing. Count on a name you can trust. Call 412-367-0815 for all your plumbing, heating, and cooling needs. A lot of people wondering what that German phrase means. It means you are a dumbass. You know how I know? My grandmother said that to me all the time as a kid. Du bist ein dummer Esel. And then she told me what it meant. What a jerk. The house I grew up in, my grandmother, my grandmother's name, her maiden name was Horst. So her married name was Irene Horst Stower. And my grandfather, who died before I was born, his name was Washington Weidershausen Stower. So we were a little bit German. A little bit German. But you know what my family, who was a little bit German, never did? Quote Hitler. What do athletes change by getting involved politically? Nothing. Colin Kaepernick's heart is in the right place, and he gave money to good causes. But Kaepernick hasn't changed anything, won't change anything, and in the process, he wrecked his career. I understand being concerned for the less fortunate, but what if there's no helping them? What if no matter how much you do, it's, it's not enough and it doesn't really change? As I've, I said earlier this week on the program, A lot of things change organically, and it takes a long time, longer than it should, but that's how it goes. For example, people of color in America aren't treated anywhere near the way they should be, not yet. But compare that to the Jim Crow South in like the 30s and 40s, heck, the 60s and early 70s, and things are a lot better. It should happen more immediately, but... History shows it doesn't often. Look at even when Jackie Robinson broke the color line in baseball in 1947. How long do you think it took all of the major leagues to integrate? How long do you think it was until every team had a black player? Robinson started in 1947. Played AAA ball in 46 with Montreal. Played for Brooklyn in 47. How long was it till every team in the majors had a black player? 1960. 
It took 13 years. The last team to get a black player was the Boston Red Sox. Racist town, racist owner, racist everything. Pumpsy Green was his name. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. We're talking about the Lev Bell situation. If If you're just tuning in, James Harrison was on Fox Sports because he wants to get into the media after bullying and insulting the media throughout his entire playing career. And Harrison cast doubt on Bell showing up for week one. I don't know if he knows anything. I don't know if he believes that. It's well played by Harrison because it's gotten people talking. But he says that sitting out the season's first 10 weeks might be best for Bell. Save his body and burn off the obligation to the Steelers with, relatively speaking, minimal injury risk. Then again, if you play one game of football, that could be enough to, you know, put any part of your body in traction, in a cast, or undergoing major surgery. So I wouldn't do that if I were Bell. I wouldn't forfeit paychecks of eight fifty-five dollars uh, per week if I were Bell. You know, it is scary if you're Le'Veon Bell, though. I know you said he made, like, what, the... Uh, 12 mil last year, I think it was, 14 mil this year. And you should be able to live the rest of your life on that money. You should be able to live 10 rest of your lives on that money. But I can guarantee you Lev Bell will not. And uh, it is scary to think that if he cuts the wrong way and blows something up, his earning power could be very limited moving forward. That is the one scary thing. I'm going to play Bell's advocate on that one. That's one thing where he has to, not literally, but but, uh, metaphorically tread lightly. Uh, So do you think there's any chance Bell doesn't show for week one? Uh, I think there's like a 5% chance, maybe less than that, but I think there is a chance. But beyond that, I could see him not showing for week one just to be a dick. Then again, the locker room would turn. The fans would finish turning. The media wouldn't be friendly. And I don't know what ownership would do. Let me tell you something. I can't envision a circumstance where the Steelers would rescind the franchise tag. It's just too late in the game for that. But the one circumstance where that would be a possibility, not a probability, but a possibility would be if Bell didn't show up for a couple weeks. If Bell didn't show up for a couple weeks, two weeks at least, the Steelers might say, look, F this guy. They, they might. I don't think they would because you don't make moves out of being angry. You don't make moves out of revenge. But if there's one thing that could trigger that happening, it would be Bell not being there for a couple weeks. And, and I'll be blunt. I think if he was not there for like four or five weeks, I think then they would rescind it. I think at that point they'd figure, okay, Depending on their record, depending on how Connor's playing, I think at that time they will consider that. I'm not saying they'd do it. I'm saying they would consider it. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. Now I have a book of quotations here. Here's what Hitler had to say about athletes uh, who held out contractually. I'll tell you what. Of course I'm kidding because you don't quote Hitler. I don't imagine Hitler dealing real well with contract holdouts, though. I just don't. We got Dejan at the bottom of the hour. 
I posted a poll today on Twitter, at MarkMaddenX. What will the Steelers' record be? How many games will they win in 2018? Of course, I'll make my official prediction next week. It's the Mark Madden Show, 105.9. And now, the super genius, Mark Madden. Nice talking to you, Mark. Hey, so be it. Kills time. Hey, Mark, big fan. Hey, super genius. How you doing today? Getting funky like a monkey. The X at 105.9. I read that the Penguins had an informal workout out at the... uh, Facility in Cranberry today, it was just really three players. I believe Jack Johnson, Chad Ruedel, and Jake Gensel, although some other non-pen with some other players from the area might have been out there. Don't know about that. I'm assuming they didn't scrimmage if uh, there were only three players out there. Well, Jay Caulfield was out there. You could have played. What would have been good teams? I would say um, Jay Bird and Jack Johnson against Gensel and Ruedel. I'd go with Jay Bird and Jack Johnson. I think they'd beat those other two guys up. Anyway, um, Jack Johnson got asked all the cliched questions by the media after he skated. Uh, namely, what's it going to be like to play with your buddy Sid after all these years? And, of course, he said, well, I'd rather play on Sid's team than against him. I've done that before, and that's not much fun. Obviously, that's true, and just as obvious... What else would he say? You know what? When I played against Sid, I owned him. The one guy I own, I got to play on the same team with now. I don't know what I was thinking when I signed. Uh, Another thing to touch on, I I spoke earlier about Josh Harrison of the Pirates. Now says he wants the Pirates to pick up his option. Well, of course he does. He sucks. His on-base percentage is the eighth worst on the team among regulars. And if they give him the $1 million buyout, I think he'll get a job in the major leagues next year. But to break even on what he would have got paid by the option, he'd have to get signed to a $9.5 million deal, and he will not. He absolutely will not. And Rob Beardtemple wrote in The Athletic that the Pirates have a big decision whether to, you know, uh, buy Harrison out or sign him and or, or or pick up the option and try to trade him, that'd be insane to pick up the option and try to trade him. Nobody would trade for that guy. There is only one thing for the Pirates to do, and it's buy Harrison out for a million bucks. Period. Now I'll tell you what is a big decision for the Pirates. As we know, Sean Rodriguez sticks. He has had just about as bad a season as I've seen any baseball player have in many, many years of watching baseball. His on-base percentage is .277. He makes Josh Harrison look like Ty Cobb. His batting average is 167, which means he's one point ahead of my IQ. And that race may get right down to the marrow. Uh, it may go down to the season's very end. Would it surprise anybody if they signed Sean Rodriguez at a low price for one more year? It just wouldn't surprise me because they love the guy and Hurdle loves the guy. One of the most ridiculous things Neil Huntington ever said. Keep in mind, this is a man who every time he opens his mouth, nothing but pure horse manure tumbles out. One of the craziest things I ever heard Neil Huntington say 
was how important it was that Rodriguez contributes off the field. Like clubhouse camaraderie, blah, blah, blah. If you need clubhouse camaraderie, hire a comedian to talk before the games. I mean, you know, we can have a laugh at, uh, with somebody who's not hitting 167, which, by the way, most comedians would hit, at least. I think Gaffigan, I see Gaffigan getting up over 200 even. I don't know why I picked Gaffigan out, because I talked about him earlier. But do you think they'll give Rodriguez another season? That would not surprise me. Let's go to Mike in New Ken. Mike, you're on with these super genius. Hey, I know. I'm sorry, Mark. Hey, I I got on the phone call because I wanted to talk about um, Le'Veon Bell and his con- uh, his contract situation. But then you started talking about the Pirates and a little bit about the Penguins, and I started thinking about everything else, too. But let's get back to track. Uh, I think Le'Veon Bell is making a very bad move here by doing what he's doing. Look at Okay, the so you think showing up late is a bad move? For him? Yeah. Yes, I do. I, I think it could wind up that way, but I, I think he has the right to do it. Well, he does. He absolutely has the right to do it. But if, you know, you know, he was the workhorse, and he's been the workhorse, and he wants to do 400-some-odd touches per year. He cannot come in there just like he did last year. I don't know that he's going to want to be the workhorse. Okay. Well, then, if, if he's not going to be the want, want to be the workhorse, will another team out there pay him the money that he wants to be a third down or a second? No, 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 player? no. When I say he doesn't want to be the workhorse, I mean just this year to okay, conserve to his body for free bit, agency. Okay, I, I mean, understand. everything you bring up. Off of his body. Shut up! Shut up! Shut up! Everything you bring up is a legitimate point. But here's the thing, and I'm being very serious when I say this. I don't think Le'Veon Bell's really bright. And I think he's getting bad advice from people. So I can't I possibly predict his next move. I can't. How could you? Um, well, you look at things this way, and here's how I think about it. He could have you know, a one-time payoff next year coming out of the franchise tag. You know, and somebody will pick him up for one time. And what happens if his body breaks Oh, no, down? he's going to unless he unless he gets badly hurt, he's going to get a big money multi-year deal, and that's even if he doesn't have a great year. You think that somebody's going to give him a multi-year deal? Yes. Nobody's given any oh. running backs multi-year deals anymore. Yeah, except for Todd Gurley, who set the well, bar. But that's Todd Gurley because well, he but Le'Veon Bell is now. thought of as being in the same league as Todd Gurley. Le'Veon Bell would have got what Todd Gurley got if he had been with almost any other team but the Steelers. The Steelers just don't give guaranteed money past the first year. Well, does that make them smart? Yes. Or does that make them? Oh, I think that, that they will look back, and we will all look back, that the Steelers not giving Le'Veon Bell a long-term deal as an extremely shrewd move on the part of the franchise. Up next, we're going to talk to Dejan Kovacevic, 105.9. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. You people wouldn't understand that because you don't have groins. You're a funny guy. That is very funny. Don't interrupt me. The X at 105.9. Joining me now in studio... He is the constructor and conductor of DKPittsburghSports.com. It's Serbian reactionary Dayon Kovacevic. Dayon, I have breaking news. I don't know if you even know this. Mm-hmm. Sean Rodriguez has mm-hmm. been designated for assignment. He has done as a pirate, and better late than never, but it's definitely something past due. I'm waiting for the symphony to go off and the clouds to part and the angels to sing and everything else. Uh, the way he's been almost singularly blamed for everything that's gone wrong with the Pirates this well, year. Well, that's been harsh, but, but he's symptomatic. 
He's symptomatic of stuff like playing favorites, illogical decision-making. He's, I mean, he played way too much, yes, John. Way too much. I'll agree with that. Uh, there's no way to disagree with that. However, I think he's symptomatic in a different sense. The cause is the fact that they can't draft and develop, so they have guys like that sitting around. Until somebody comes along that's better than him or even marginally better than him. You, know, uh, you see, you want to beat the draft and developing drum, and I get it. Because but it's real. It is real. You've seen it, the Cardinals? It's not that relevant to this. He's hitting 167. Cardinals had three guys Anybody could have been found. They could have, they could have gone to a Fed League game. No, no, no. I know they that. They could have gone to St. John's and 20th War and found a guy better than Sean Rodriguez. <laughs> I said I'm not going to disagree with his playing time. We, I, I just see that there's a cause, and he's a symptom. That's all. The Cardinals last night sent out three pitchers. From the past three years of drafts against the Pirates, guys that are 20, 21, 22 years old, the same way the Braves are in first place. You know how they got that? It's not by some voodoo, and it's not because they made a managerial change. It's because they drafted and developed talent. That's it. The sad note is that Sean Rodriguez finishes his season hitting 167. Oh, no. One point above my IQ of 166, oh, no. so I am a, a beaten man. My condolences. Let's let's get to something people care about, namely the Steelers <laughs> preseason. How do you rate the Steelers preseason? Uh, does it feel like they're ready for a good year? It feels like their defense is making progress. And I know the Green Bay game would not seem to indicate that they didn't use a lot of guys. Uh, when they did put their guys on the field against Tennessee, uh, they looked good in practice. Their secondary guys, some of their formations have looked good. You know what worries me right now, Mark, is that Keith Butler and Mike Tomlin are trying a lot of different things with that defense, with the formations that they're using, and I wonder if they're not trying too many things. Uh, when It's one thing to say... I, I think they're trying it. To an ex- I think they'll go back to basics, for better or worse, which means Bostick and Vince Williams both yes. on the field, and I think that's for worse. Well, I think what you're going to see, certainly in the Cleveland game, is they're going to come out in your basic, standard, old-school Dick LeBeau formation, 3-4, and everything else just aligned the way it's supposed to be. However... When you have all these different formations and the group is young, you're asking for trouble because now you're taking uh, young secondary guys, rookies, in a case like Terrell Edmonds, uh, in in a case like Cam Sutton. He's not a true rookie, but he's going to be basically in his first full season of activity. You're putting these guys in position to not just know their position, but really to know other people's positions as well, and I think that's asking for trouble. It's a tall order to be sure. Yes. Then again, I think not having your best talent on the field is asking for trouble. Yes, which is why I would default toward having a lot of those secondary guys out there, but maybe, and I think this is what you're suggesting, going a little bit lighter on linebackers and maybe even the nose tackle. See, I'd keep it simple, but I'd use three safeties and one linebacker. Hmm. I don't think that overcomplicates things. You just have the... Extra safety play in the box. And yeah, if Edmonds or Burnett could do that. I was going to say which one. Which one would you have doing that? I would lean toward having Burnett up there. Uh, no, I'd lean toward Edmonds because then. Well, Burnett's done it though, Mark. Bur- yeah, but 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 you need Burnett in a more structured role. Then again, but he's a tackler first and foremost. That's where I want him. You know. I mean, yeah, but then your safeties are Edmonds and Davis. Yikes. Yeah, except for one thing here, the one guy that we haven't mentioned yet out of that group that might be the most adaptable, even though he's a little guy, is Mike Hilton, because he can do anything, and he flies to the football, and he finishes the play. He makes the tackle. Uh, the burning question right now is, what do you expect from Le'Veon Bell? 
And do you agree with me that he did not have a great season last year? No, I, I don't agree. I mean, that, I guess that defines as how you define great. I know you're big on the yards per carry. How can you not be? Because I think there's other ways to define an unusual running back like Depends him. what you're looking for, I suppose. I guess it is. But I think the fact that he's able to really confuse uh, other teams, their defensive coordinators, even Bill Belichick's talked about it openly. Uh, the fact that he comes out of the backfield, makes the plays that he does. Look, he hasn't broken off massive I, I think, runs. I, I think he has in the past, but I'm not sure that happened last year. Yeah. Dejan, I'm talking just about his performance last I year. I understand that. He also got off to the slow start, which is probably going to happen again this year because for you know, obviously missing uh, all of training camp. It's going to hurt him. There's no question about that, even with the fifth preseason game up there in Cleveland. Uh, did he have a great season? I mean, great season. I, I I tend to be pretty, you know, picky about using the word great. So maybe not. If you know, if you put it up on some Hall of Fame level, uh, I thought he was outstanding for the better part of it, though. And I'm not saying you, you bench him or shoot him or, or whatever. I just <laughs> well, that's I, I, put generous. it put it this way: if he has the same season this year than last, it won't be what they need from him. Well, it won't be what gets him the kind of money that he'd want to. So let's now, keep that into mind. Now, what if Bell doesn't report Monday? He's supposed to. He, he will. Said, he said that's fake news. He will. I, I mean. Oh, Dejo, when somebody says it's fake news, the story's false. Oh, I understand, especially if it's got a hashtag. But I, in this case, I mean, he has to. There's no real way uh, for him to participate in an NFL I, game. I, I think part of the locker room turns on him if he's not there week one. A big part of it. I, I think the media big part of it, jumps on feet first, and I think the fans kill him. Yeah, well, I think that's already happened to a large extent. The latter one, but uh, the locker room—I can tell you unequivocally—they will turn on him if he isn't there Monday. I mean, already, you know, Ben Roethlisberger has thrown out the uh, somewhat thinly veiled suggestion. Oh no, I, I wrote about that in the trip. Yeah, when he said that Connor deserves playing time. Yep. What he's really saying is Bell better be ready and play well. He is. I mean, Ben knows, you know, who's by far the better back. Of I the mean, two. he's throwing Connor a bone too. A little bit. Ben knows what he's doing in those situations. Yes. There's no question. Now, uh, speak of the devil, the Steelers' biggest advantage is obviously Ben. And without win it, without Ben, it's a six or seven win team. That that's pretty obvious. But he's such a big edge because most of the other quarterbacks in the league stink. I was looking at the Steelers' schedule. They don't play very many good quarterbacks. And and even let me see if I can find this here. In, in the first four weeks, they play Tyrod Taylor. Maybe Patrick Mahomes, right? Who, Who's you know promising, but but a first year starter, right? Uh, Winston suspended. So they play Tampa's backup, whoever that is, and either Flacco or Lamar Jackson. I mean, Ben has such a pronounced edge over all those guys. I mean, I'll be shocked if they don't win all four of those games. Well, you could say the same thing last year. Whenever starting quarterback after starting quarterback went down before the Steelers played them, that that was actually a contributing factor toward their thirteen and three record. It, it, it undoubtedly was. But as you look ahead deeper into the schedule, they obviously do have some better quarterbacks facing down the road. And Matt Ryan, Drew Brees, guy. I'm talking about guys, the obvious ones that are outside the division. Uh, it's it's going to be a challenge, I think, as they go deeper. But the good thing is for all the cliched, uh, I should say trite, knocks against Mike Tomlin and his tenure, the one thing that we've seen from the Steelers in recent seasons is that they do get stronger in the second half of a regular season, and that is to the head coach's credit. Uh, and in this case, I think that's going to be essential given the way their schedule breaks down. We're talking today, Jean Kovacevic from DKPittsburghSports.com. He's brought to you by the Walnut Grill. 
Uh, here's something I, I think is hilarious. Sports Illustrated says the Steelers will make the Super Bowl. Colin Coward of Fox Sports says the Steelers will make the Super Bowl. CBS Sports says Baltimore will win the division. There's this, <laughs> it's, it's such a disparity. Well, Dejan, that's a cross-section. I, I think a lot of well, the national second, media... Wait a second. They have the Ravens winning the division well, based that, on what? I, I, I wouldn't make that up. Defensive line, I guess? I, I wouldn't, don't know. I, I wouldn't make that up. But, uh, but the point is... Let's forget about the CBS Sports one. Okay, good. Why does the national media think more highly of the Steelers than the local media does? Because I can't imagine picking the Steelers to make the Super Bowl. I'm not ruling the possibility out. I just wouldn't pick it. Well, if you're asking to differentiate between the two, uh, I think locally, and this isn't just the media, I think this is the fan base too, and maybe they're one and the same or one influences the other. But there's a ton of cynicism about the Steelers. A lot of the off-the-field stuff, which I think is real, but also gets blown way out of proportion. Well, yeah, but, but it's, it's, it's justifiably it's generated real. citizen. It's real. Cynicism. And the other aspect of the cynicism is that everybody's got this New England little brother syndrome. And again, there's a justification to that, too. And no one can ever possibly put into their heads the Steelers doing anything at all that would be superior to the Patriots. So you're not going to have anybody around here picking the Steelers to go to the Super Bowl either. I won't. What, what surprises me... What surprises me, I haven't gotten that far yet. What surprises me, me neither, really. Yeah, is that Jacksonville really seems to be getting tossed to the side here. Like like what the Jaguars did last year was just just totally a fluke. I think they could take a step backwards. They could. I don't trust the quarterback even a little bit. I, and you know what's funny is that's a lot of the same sentiment that's down there in Jacksonville among, you know, whatever their fan base is, it started to make a comeback. Is he, everything comes down to Bortles. Nobody trusts Bortles. They think that he just had a game against the Steelers because Nathaniel Hackett, the offensive coordinator, was able to read the play action and really confuse the Steelers and make Bortles look way better than he is. But that, I still think that there's something there, though. Won't New England hit a wall one of these years? No. <laughs> what do they teach you about betting against streaks? No, no, just, I mean, I know, I know. Sooner or later, they have to, though, they don't have, they? They have to. We keep saying that, but with one thing. And that, Brady, too. The one thing that keeps the Patriots, I think, to a large extent, uh, a sustainable commodity, and you never hear people talk about this, is that the AFC East just stinks year after year after year, so they never have to go through a tough divisional schedule. To, before they get into the playoffs. So you compare that to the AFC North when you have, in particular, the Steelers-Bengals or Steelers-Ravens uh, killing each other in the games that they play. It's a completely different world. Uh, is this the Steelers' last best chance? Yes. With with Ben and Braun still at a peak and Bell still on the team? Yes, absolutely. Uh, to me, there's no doubt about that because the Steelers don't have, without Shazier, that transcendent defensive player. So it's not like you're going to see some kind of shift of excellence from the offensive side of the ball to the defensive, which is what you would need. And it's not like they're going to have some immediate uh, happy elite replacements on the offensive side. Don't forget, it's not just about those guys. It's also about the offensive line, Mark. They're up there. You know, they're, they're, they're older. They've been together now for five years, which is an eternity in football uh, and it's it's asking an awful lot. I think it's got to happen this year. It's not going to happen. Uh, what I really want the Steelers to do more than anything is start playing real games. No, oh, God, because, yes. Because this, this is an underestimated time for the dog days because it's not like the Steelers are 
a team with a lot of question marks. You know what you have with them. You just want the real games to start. And uh, let me transition to the Penguins because the Penguins are not Good. a team that's going to have a boring camp. Am I right? Well, as someone who just spent the afternoon out in Cranberry watching three guys skate in circles. Yeah, that's and weird. I thought it was, that's weird that you went I was, out there. I was fine with it. It was Jack Johnson, Jake Gensel, and Chad Ruedel, and they were all wonderful to talk to and all that other stuff. And it was just nice to see hockey. You know, that, that was cool in and of itself. Um, yeah, it's going to be fun to see something that's a little bit more meaningful. Even Steelers at Cleveland, uh, I think, is going to be... I think that's a trap game. I, I'm not predicting Why? Cleveland will win. because good. Cle- Cleveland has great linebackers. They have a great they offensive good line. They have great wide receivers. They, that's, that could be... If the Steelers soil the bed a little bit, that well, game will stay close. That's the one thing that I will say is that the Steelers did kind of soil the bed... Up there last year, still people won. forget they got away with it. What because, was it, eighteen fifteen? Yeah, and Ben got serious down the end, and they ended up leading the drives when they needed to. Are you implying he wasn't serious up till then? I'm saying I don't think the whole offense looked serious, in particular the offensive line in that first half. But they ended up uh, making things happen and getting it done when they needed to. I mean, they're obviously going to win the game. I, I don't. Uh, the idea that the Browns are somehow drastically improved makes no sense to me. I mean, their top two draft picks aren't going to be participating in this game. I want to get one more Penguins thing in uh, before we uh, uh, wrap it up. Why does Chris Letang seem to polarize Penguins fans so much? Like Jim Rutherford recently said he expects a big year from Letang, and half the people said Letang sucks, they should have traded him. The other half say he'll have a good year and then some. There's no middle ground. No, there isn't, and I, I, I refer to that sometimes in my writing as last bad thing I saw syndrome. And with Letang... And, and you've discussed this a lot as well over the years. With Latang, his mistakes are big when they happen because he is that type of player where he's going to be a high-reward, high-risk guy. The chances that he takes are good chances when he's on top of his game. You know what I mean? They're good decisions. But when he's not, they're a wreck. And they do end up in the back of your net. And, and you know, most unfortunately, he's out there for the goal against he and Dumoulin. Kuznetsov, I don't fault anybody on the Penguin side. It's just a brilliant play by Washington from one end to the other. But fans do remember what they see. That's right. And they but see def- a 58 at the and, end. And, and, and some people just need a scapegoat. And, and, you know, for last year it was Latak. And his value, too, I think is not as easy, especially for the lay person, hockey fan, to absorb. Uh, when you say to them, well, look, he's holding on to the puck a lot. You understand there's value to that. You understand that right. he hangs on for an extra be- second. Because he can do it. He makes plays out of that. Business. Yeah. But the thing is, I would be the first to say that Tanger didn't have a year last so year. Would he, so I know would he, Mark. So would he. Yeah. But he was still pretty good, and he's still a legitimate number one defenseman and, in a league that doesn't have many. And most important, and this is the part that I know you and I had a, a talk together with him near the end of last season where he spoke very candidly about getting better and feeling stronger as the season went. Well, the dude came off neck surgery for crying out yeah. loud, playing a contact sport where you're getting hit from behind. And for him to come back and be as solid as he was, as dependable, I like the idea that Rutherford and Sullivan have put in place where they're going to cut down his minutes, maybe cut down his responsibility. That's where Jack Johnson can come in. But, yeah, I mean, he is he is Chris Tang. Pay attention a little bit. By the way, Lance Lasowski from your website just quoted Sean Rodriguez as saying, I'm not done. That sounds like a movie poster. Well, it, it, as, as Bob McLaughlin put out on Twitter, <laughs> that's reminiscent of the bring out your dead scene. 
in Monty Python and Holy Grail. I'm not dead yet. <laughs> I don't want to go in the cart. Tis a flesh wound. Wrong scene. I know. Same thing. That's Dejan Kovacevic. I'm Mark Madden. Time to call in and ask Mark anything. 412-333-WXDX. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. No one wants to hear your life story. What do you want to say on my radio show? Hey, yo, Mike. Mark, how you doing? Call me Mike. DX at 105.9. Sean Rodriguez says he's not done. I hope not. He needs more at-bats, so he drops under 167. How about that some bitch? He gets DFA'd when he's hitting 167, one point higher than my IQ. That sucks. Ask Mark Anything, brought to you by Chapino Restaurant Cigar Bar, the city's best seafood and chapas located in the Strip. It, it is funny that when I was talking about the Pirates potentially bringing Rodriguez back for another year, literally, when I was talking about that, they cut him. Neil Huntington must have been listening and said, look, we're dumb, but we're not that dumb. Did I already plug Chapino? This segment, Ask Mark Anything, brought to you by Chapino Restaurant Cigar Bar. Seafood, chapas, you love it. Go to Chapino in the Strip, okay? Let's go to uh, Josh in Periopolis. Josh, ask Mark anything. Hey, Mark, how's it going? Great. Hey, I know you're not a big memorabilia guy, but if there was one thing that you could have, uh, either music or sports-related, what would it be? That's actually a pretty good question, but I I just don't... uh, I mean, I have some sports memorabilia and music memorabilia just because it piled up. You know what I mean? I got it by accident. Yeah. When I was a kid, I was a big autograph kid, so I have nine things signed by Clemente. That's pretty cool. I'd, uh, um, I, I have a bunch of UFO concert posters from the old days I bought on eBay that I have hung up around the house. I have Troy Polamalu signed a, a jersey for me when he retired. I really do treasure that a, a great deal. Um, you, you know what I... You know what I'd like? I'd like I'd like something game used or game award from Mario or Sid or both. And if yeah, I didn't but... get it, it wouldn't bother me. But if you offered me something, like if I had a Mario game jersey and a Sid game jersey hung side by side, I think that'd be pretty cool. Thank you for the call. Let's go to uh, Michael in Burgettstown. Michael, ask Mark anything. Hey, what up, man? What up, man? Hey, uh, last time I talked to you, we were talking about the bums. Uh, when you were yeah, the bums are back. The well, they were they back. back. I don't know if they've, if they've migrated further, but they were back not long ago. Yeah, I was going to see if they were still leaning it out of the, the jagged scan. Well, uh, now you see, the you Pittsburgh State Company closed four years ago, I think, and that's why I used to watch them eat ravioli out of a can. They would sit on the sidewalk in front of the Pittsburgh State Company and eat ravioli out of a can. Yeah, I was seeing if maybe they upgraded to a better... Food item in a can, you know, I don't know what else. Well, now, hold it. What's better than ravioli in a can? If you're going to eat something right out of a can. No, no, seriously. Ravioli is a good choice to eat right out of a can if you're a bum because it's not sloppy. You can spear it. Anything you eat out of a can that you can spear with the minimum of mess, that's that's a good move, don't you think? Oh, I agree. Maybe like soup, though. They could just dump it down their throat. They don't even have to use a fork or anything. Drink it like a beer. Oh, yeah. Thank you for the call. I was thinking to myself... What, you would spoon soup, and then he says just gulp it right out of the can. That makes sense. Let's go to Guido in Steubenville. Guido. Hey, Double M, after all these years, is there any way that you could think of a possible way of getting Mario Mendoza and his 200 average off the hook after all these years, and we could rename it 
167. Well, don't uh, forget, that's a much lower line. Rodriguez the Mendoza line. line was 200. Sean Rodriguez hit 167. And give Mario Mendoza credit. Mario Mendoza was such a good fielder that even though he hit 200 and change, he stayed in the major leagues a long time. And to be fair, so did Sean Rodriguez. This year was an aberration because I just think he's done. I don't think physically he ever came back from that car wreck, and I'm not sure he was good enough to try to play through something like that. Let's go to Daryl and Beaver Connie. Daryl, ask Mark anything. Hey, Mark. I'd like to know, you've expressed your uh, your dislike to Tom Barrasso, but is there anyone that you disliked either through impression or personal contact that you really disliked, but then as you started working with them, getting to know them, that you've come to admire or be friends with? Well, first off, I don't do impressions. Uh, sec- I- I'll tell you a funny story. Uh, you know who I didn't get along with when I first uh, met him? Who? Dave Molinari. The okay. Hall of Fame hockey writer. I was a young kid, and he just didn't have time for me, and he was kind of a jerk. And I was a kind of a jerk, too. But then, you know, Dave's the best hockey writer ever in Pittsburgh. And uh, when I worked with him at the Post-Gazette, when I went to the Post-Gazette, yeah, our relationship was great and still is very strong to this day. I have a lot of respect for Davey. But, you know, like, one thing I will admit, when I got into the business at first, I was a punk. And, you know, no. I, I probably overstepped my boundaries some. You know what I mean? Yeah, no way. It's true. Oh, it's damn true. I hope to be back tomorrow. You know what? I, I, I think I might be getting a little better. Because I am holding weight now. I lost 15 pounds. Now I've, I've gained like a couple back. So, I don't know. Dead tomorrow or on the air. One or the other. 105.9.